This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host... Wearing a Buffalo Bills cap, Naz Marquez. Big game today, big game. Uh, Bills and Ravens. Uh, also joining us in studio this morning, former Raptors coach Butch Carter. Good morning, Butch. Good morning, guys. How are you? We're great. Thanks so much. Also joining us in studio, former Washington Capitol, former Toronto Maple Leaf, former Buffalo Sabre, and I think you had one other stop somewhere else, but no. can't remember it, Lou. That, that's enough. Leaping Lou Franceschetti. Anyways, there's a lot right. of uh, T-level. The T-level's high in the studio this morning, so uh, uh, should should be an interesting show, but... Uh, after Saturday night, uh, hockey night in Canada, we usually start off the show talking about the, our, our beloved Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, certainly a great result last night. No question about it. Um, going to beat the Stanley Cup champion, uh, St. Louis Blues in their, uh, in their barn, uh, got off to a really quick start, chased, uh, Jordan Binnington uh, out of the uh, out of the first, net for last the first night. First time ever. You know, I, I you know I, there was a, there was a moment yesterday when I was driving on um, Camerwood Street. I was in Richmond Hill, and uh, they have Richmond Hill is attached to their signs, home of the Stanley Cup champion Jordan Binnington, and that sign yesterday had come off in half, so you <laughs> you couldn't see it. So uh, uh, I guess that sort of. Uh, Gave an indication of what was going to happen last night. Naz, uh, Leafs have uh, up and down a couple of weeks since uh, Sheldon Keefe became the coach and the Mike Babcock era ended in Toronto. Um, your thoughts on the progression and then uh, going to get you... Well, they're 5-3, and three, which is not a bad record. Not a great record, but not a bad one with Keefe behind the bench. But they, they did play a lot better last night. They were very good last night. Lou? More, more efforts like that will get them a lot of points. What do you see, Lou? I, I really don't see much change other than uh, the kids are playing with their shackles off, like I talked about uh, three weeks ago or two weeks ago. Uh, they're having a lot more fun. Um, they, they have definitely changed their game a little bit where there's more puck possession and they're a little bit more aggressive in their own, in the offensive zone where defensemen are coming down almost uh, every time the puck comes around the boards. Uh, again, the success is going to be if they start getting a little bit more physical and start letting teams know they can't be pushed around. Butch? They're, they're not a playoff team until they get their backup goalie situation straightened out. You can't play your number one goalie until you kill him. He's done an outstanding job. The backup goalie is um, maybe the worst goalie in, in the NHL right now, right? At least he's in the lower 10%. He's averaging five goals against right. per game. You're going to need 90, 95 points to get in the playoffs. You're going to need more than that to get to where you have home ice advantage. So, in my mind, the math doesn't work with Hutchinson. Um, you know, that's as an outsider, that's how I see it. 
which they can't afford a two by four to put a net right now because of the salary <laughs> cap problems they have. They, they went overboard on putting four guys, paying them $40 million. When that's half your salary cap, you've, you're exposing yourself at other uh, other parts of the game. I agree with you, Lou. The issue is that it's self-inflicted and they got to fix it. If not, you know, the GM, you know, you got to look at him and said, you know, you as an older hockey player have been asking, what were you thinking? Right? But at the end, at the end of the day, um, you put your reliance, the whole team's reliance upon a backup goalie, and you got to give your number one some rest days. And he has just not been able to find a rhythm. And he needs a – I don't care if you get a kid from the AHL, the ECA, whatever. You know, the the path that they're on right now says that they don't get the 90 points. Well, you're, you're, you're probably right. But again, again, it comes down to Brendan Shanahan <clears throat> having their faith in Dubas and saying, okay – this is your team. You show me what you can do with it. I'm not going to touch nothing and other than you know the firing we yeah, found we're, we're, in Arizona. Or you know, it's it's uh, right? uh, and uh, it, I think Dubas might might be his own worst enemy by by having this done. If if this team doesn't make the playoffs at the end of the year, Naz, I checked something out. Very interesting. Kyle Dubas was the first guy to come into the fold with the Leafs back in 2014. I thought it was uh, Lamarillo, but it wasn't. Or Babcock. Well, he came. And it in, wasn't. He it was came Dubas. in with the Marlies, right? Yes, Dubas okay. came in with Shanahan. Shanahan has controlled the whole thing, right? And um, he does, if, it, if they don't perform, he's going to be gone at the end of the year. <laughs> we're already, you know, it, it's 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 amazing that we're already we're already contemplating going down that path, and uh, you know, now that the now that the spotlight's off Mike Babcock, it's on Kyle Dubas, and uh, you know. Butch, you, you you make a tremendous point, and we've been saying it. Uh, in today's NHL, you can't afford to mail in X amount of points uh, because your backup goalie can't win any games for you. It just it, the, the mathematics doesn't work. And interestingly enough, uh, Steve Simmons' article in the Toronto Sun, I don't know if it was yesterday or today, uh, is already saying, uh, you know, they shouldn't have got rid of Lamorella with, with the benefit of hindsight. Uh, and, you know, we all know hindsight's twenty twenty. That's state the obvious. But uh, it, you know, you're trying to figure out a pathway for the Leafs to get themselves out of this jam. And we know that they've got some of the brightest hockey minds um, around the NHL, and we know they've got this cap expert down there that's uh, supposed to be the guru when it comes to figuring out stuff, but the, the, the pathway doesn't seem to be apparent. It's not staring at us in the face. Uh, as Naz says, <laughs> where do you go find the money? And well, and how do, how do you how do you how do you how do you deal with this? So you got a, You got an in season problem. And you've got an end of season problem. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know, I don't know which one's bigger. Well, let me start with this. All right, when when they let Lou go, they lost a lot of their equity. Right, when you're in that leadership position and you can call guys that you've called for 25 years, you normally can get a deal done. Right, and and that's what they lost. Right now, you've got a young guy, Kyle Dubas, and. Uh, you know, he's on national TV talking about what he's doing with the Lees. And you, you don't have that senior citizen calling a guy and say, Hey, man, we've been doing deals for 20 years. And, and a guy said, No, Lou, I'm not doing the deal. And then it called Lou back two or three day, days later and said, Hey, maybe we'll work something out. And that's what, that's what happened when Lou left. And that's why, you know, what he's done, 
you know, with his current team. But it's it's extremely important if you can have that senior citizen because he can go get a deal and get someone to return the call that, you know, a younger guy just that that part is hard. And and that's what they lost. Well, I, I, they lost Babcock, too, in the meantime. When they lost Lou, they lost Babcock, too, because he only lasted one year in a bit. Not a long time. No, no, and you know, of course, Babcock was not Dubas's guy, and they never hit it off apparently. But uh, the one, you know, you can look back. What difference would it have made whether uh, Lou Lamorello had have been here or not? And 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 the reality is, this team wouldn't be the same if he was here because the one thing we know about Lou Lamorello, because he's got his body of work goes back a long way. Uh, he doesn't like to pay a lot of. He doesn't like to overpay players, uh, and there's there's a classic example in New Jersey. I, I, Brodeur always made less Brodeur than Brodeur and Scott Stevens were that, the two best players, and anything and, and, anybody below that. That's why Niedermeyer never left until this contract ran out. Yeah, for some some you know, uh, Lamorello looks like you know. He, he my guess is nego- his negotiating style is probably exactly the way he looks, which is he looks like a tough son of a gun. Right. And, you know, he doesn't look like the kind of guy I'd be wanting to sit across the table with and negotiate a contract with because he'd probably draw a line. He'd probably put a piece of paper in the middle in the middle of the negotiating table and say, this is the number. Come back and tell me when you're willing to settle for this amount. I can't possibly see Lou Lamorello and correct me if I'm wrong, Butch or Lou or Naz. I can't possibly see Lamorello have done that Nylander negotiation the way the way uh, Duba, and I don't want to be a Monday morning quarterback on this. What's done is done. Um, but we wouldn't have been, my guess is Nylander agent would have realized really quickly in the negotiation. And Butch, I'd really like your thoughts on this uh, in terms of how negotiations progress. And, and, and the most important part of, of a negotiation is probably when you drop the first shoe. And when you know you're, you're dealing with a guy like Lamorello, the agent, probably would have realized Lou ain't going to $7 million. Well, the agent would have realized it through the, through the player's career, right? Because what, an, what is an, a good agent, what he's going to do is he's going to keep track of what, it, what the guy's done for the last seven years with any player. And the great part about what Lou did, where he did it at, was that when he did it, he had a straight hockey structure. In other words, there was no basketball team associated with the corporation. All right. So you may get a little dizzy and it's a mistake if you ever look out of the hockey office and look over and say, what's going on with those basketball players? Because, you know, Lou, you've been watching this. I mean, the money in basketball is through the roof and the guarantees in basketball are through the roof. All right. As an outsider, I don't know how you balance. I'm going to pay four guys $10 million. All right. With the analytics. Because the ice time is not there to generate. It's not the same as basketball, it's right? All forwards. That's correct. That's all what I'm saying. Too. Yeah. There, there's no way you got four guys playing the same position. All right. You don't. You don't plan on if you had a strategy with the coach. As an example, the strategy that I used was that okay, Vince Carter's so good. How do I ever get Tracy Green to be effective? And what I said was that I'm going to play him as a backup point guard. So he uh, effectively, physically, every night he was superior to anyone he played against. And it, genuinely, his value went up. And they said they offered Tracy the max deal, but they wouldn't offer him the max deal before I made the change. 
All right. And that was one of the reasons why, why Tracy left. So if you look at Lou, he's formulated how to win hockey games in a total hockey environment. And I don't think he blended in because, you know, he's a hard ass about how to spend the dollars. All right. I just can't see seven million for Nylander with Lou Lamorello there. I uh, can't see 11, 11 million and north of 11 for Mitch Marner. Lou, Lou would have just stared them down. But and Lou, it would be what? a different team today. I don't know. Maybe Nylander would have caved in earlier. And or he would have sat out for a year, but Lou would have made him sit out the year. Or he, he wasn't going to be. Traded him. He wasn't or traded him. He wasn't going to be doing this five this fax machine deal five minutes before the time expired. That you, would, Lou Lamorello wasn't doing that. If you look at the team that he's got with the Islanders right now, there's no superstar on that team. So well, Bar- so, Barzell's a superstar. Okay, so uh, you know, I mean, we don't we don't see him we don't see him day in and day out in Toronto. So but when I watch that kid play, sorry, compare him to Marner. So he's about the only player that's going to make. Uh, I, I think he's got. The, I think he's a. You know, he's a more. Dyn- oh, I'm on. Marner's got a. You know, I'm not going. I'm not so, here to so, criticize yeah. Marner, but no, Barzell's at that level. Okay, yeah, so an eight million dollar player, player right there that's going to be above ten million dollars on that hockey team. But, but yeah, guys, everybody else is going to. Lou's got flexibility with what he has in New Jersey. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, we've tapped right. out already. I that's, mean, that's, I, I, that's, I, I, that, that's how the, that's where this whole started. How, right? how, we, how we go find a backup goalie? I have no idea. A backup goalie who can win you games with the, with the amount of money they have available, I have no idea. And I don't know how they deal with next year's problems. I don't. I don't completely understand this whole uh, Clarkson Nathan Horton thing. And when that stuff comes back, and how you how you got to merge that big. Back into your side because you got t- ten million bucks more tied up in these two guys. Eleven or twelve. Eleven or twelve. So when they come, when they come off the uh, long term uh, disability, yeah, because you're yeah. eating up ten that yeah. you're using that now. Yeah. So when those cracks are over, you can't use that anymore. Yeah. I, I don't know how that all works. And they have, and, and they have one defenseman signed next year. Yeah, and, and, they, and then they got it. and they got Anderson coming down the pipe. They got Riley coming down the pipe. Um, Riley's two years. Anderson's next year. They yeah. got Dermot as an RFA next year. Right. Who could be a tough? So you know, I mean, I, I know that there's brighter minds than us down at Bay Street, but uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I don't see how this math adds up. You're speaking for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right, Butch. I am speaking for myself because I know you're a much brighter. Mu- I know you're much brighter than I am. I was so. talking about Maz and Lou. <laughs> <laughs> Wally, the Leafs yeah. have forty two thousand dollars left to spend. That's what they have. That's that's a joke. Well, you, and then you got to fill how many positions? Nineteen. What's what's the roster? 23? 20, 22, 23. 20, 22, 23. That, that, So you got that, yeah. you got forty million. T- I mean, the second that they did that Nylander trade, that Nylander trade. I mean, uh, so, obviously, you know where where my thought, but actually, Nylander's been playing pretty well lately. So, uh, he, he's probably not the most overpaid guy in the team. Uh, we can have that debate. Um, but as soon as that, as soon as the, those numbers started adding up, every every commentator, Brian Burke was oh, the, he was he, first off the hop saying this doesn't work. It can't work. And I don't think anybody has suggested we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. The only light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, the only way the Leafs can get themselves out of this box, and perhaps this is the bet that Dubas and Pridham down at uh, Bay Street, I, I think he's the capologist, their bet has to be the salary cap's going up, that the revenues are going to increase, the NBC contract's going to take, take the revenues to $90, $100 million. Otherwise, you know, if, if, if it hangs into the, uh, into the $85 million range for a few years, they're in, they're in deep trouble. Well, then... 
they did not. There's two. There's two things that are really important. I think in any salary cap situation, uh, teams that win uh, have true stability on the back end in their go and their two go one and two goalies, right? And they're injury free. So the fact that they bet the house in four players that they'd all be healthy. I just, you know, before we started, I told you, you know, in my opinion, the Leafs went backward on purpose to go into the draft to get talented players, right? The right thing to do. Right, right. It was. It's always been the right thing to do for them because they they never did it, right? <clears throat> Their young guys are not as good as they'd hoped for, and that's that's where it falls. The output that you would want from those three, um, one was held up by Nylander holding out. And he had a very unproductive year last year. But, you know, I, I told you at the end of the day when, when Tavares was hurt that one of these young kids is a huge evaluation period for him uh, because they can't use Tavares as a crutch. And I still believe you got to move one of those guys. You know, I, I'm just a firm believer that, you know, you can take your young guys and get two stars on both ends, but you can't develop three or four of them. It's, it's impossible. There's not enough valuable time in against winning teams, all right? When you start seeing young guys accumulate stats against losing teams, then those are the guys that get grossly overpaid, right? Like, take their stats and say, what are the stats against winning teams? And that's who the real men are, right? That's yep. who the real men are. And, and it's funny that uh, Mr. McKinnon, moving closer, uh, McKinnon came out uh, this week and said that he would take less money for the team to win. And he's only making six and change right now for at least another five years. Yeah. Uh, and I, right now, personally, Butch, I don't know if you saw McKinnon play. I would take McKinnon over Matthews in a heartbeat. McKinnon is is a man amongst men. <laughs> yeah. He's a force. Right? Yeah. Yes, he is. All right. So yep. he's a force, um, and he's a year or two older and, maybe and, than. And, uh, than, than and, the, and, and if I didn't hear that quote uh, that he said he's taking less money because he, he would wants take to less money yeah. for the team to win. Yeah, but on his you next know, contract, no, and that and fantastic for him. Uh, but you know how that you know the, how that uh, that doesn't go over well with the players' association. No, it doesn't, and it doesn't go over well no. with the other players. No, it doesn't. It really it doesn't. Especially the agent who's going to lose a pile of money. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyways, yeah. guys, uh, that was a pretty spirited discussion. Let's uh, well we'll leave it on this. We're, we're, we're thrilled the Leafs won last night. They beat the Stanley Cup champions. They're going out west this week. Uh, we certainly hope they, uh, they keep it on a roll. Uh, we'll be right back after our break. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville decided to stonebake our pizzas the traditional way. That was over 50 years ago. Since then, the big pizza conglomerate started cooking their pizzas on conveyor belts, like you see at the airport. Now you can choose authentic Italian stone-baked pizza or pizza you could mistake for luggage. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys and none of them work. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Nads and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. If you're listening in downtown Toronto, we're also on 96.7 FM. And we also live video stream at www.zoomerradio.ca. There's a great Zoomer app for your Apple iPhone or your Google Android. Uh, you can also check us out there. In the house today, 
Leapin' Lou Franceschetti and Butch Carter. Gentlemen, um, there's been a lot of action on the, on the uh, NHL rinks, but there's been a lot of action off the NHL rink, rinks. Uh, the whole, the whole, uh, coaching, uh, fraternity in the, uh, in the NHL has, uh, come under fire. Not all the coaches, but, uh, obviously not all of them. Some of them are, um, uh, model citizens and uh, beloved by their players, but there's been some controversies with respect to some of the coaches. Uh, the ones that started off with Mike Babcock in Toronto, uh, the gentleman out in Calgary uh, for statements uh, he made uh, about 10 years ago, and Mark Crawford has come under uh, under fire as well. I understand uh He's been not suspended, but he's been taken off the Chicago bench, correct me if I'm wrong, Naz, until his previous conduct has been That's reviewed. true. Okay. And the next one is Pete Lavillot. Uh Is this a story that uh, we can talk about on the air? Has it been, yeah, it's no, been no, confirmed? It, 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 was, it was brought up last uh, night. I, I, don't, was, I uh, don't want to repeat anything on the air that isn't, that no, isn't public. It, it was on last night that uh, they showed him uh, when he was in Philly. Uh, making a uh, making a gesture where he went to punch his hand like like this, and he caught somebody's head, and uh, he vehemently denied it yesterday. On and this incident happened how long ago? Well, when he was with Philly, I don't know how long ago it could have been. Time probably in the last ten years. Okay, so th- this is uh, it's it's created a um, you know, it's it's. It's created a controversy, and there's a lot of different moving parts to these stories, uh, Butch. Uh, it brings into the into question the whole idea of how far back do we want to go? Uh, why didn't the players report it at the time? What are the appropriate consequences for these types of behaviors? Uh, how much latitude does a coach have? in terms of his motivational techniques. Um, so there's a lot of moving parts to this, and, 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 and without even getting into the question that I think we can all agree upon, to the extent that there's any racial part of this story, that's completely, that's not an issue. That's just unacceptable, and we have to deal with the consequences of that. Uh, I've got you in studio today, Butch. Lou, I've got you in studio today. Both of you guys played professional sports at the highest levels. Both of you coached sports, professional sports. Butch, you at the highest level with the Toronto Raptors and your assistant coach uh, with some other NBA teams. I think you were at the Bucks for, for yes. a great deal of time. Yeah. Uh, you also received the benefit of some varied coaching experiences. Uh, Bobby Knight who's a, an incredibly controversial uh, coach, uh, Pat Riley, who in some, in, in some quarters is considered one of the great coaches in NBA history. You may have your own opinion on that, but his success at the NBA level is certainly not controversial. Lou, you, co- you received the benefit of, of, uh, of Brian Murray, who's considered one of the gentlemen in the league. He was your coach in Washington. He had certain coaching techniques. You also were coached by other coaches that had different coaching techniques, perhaps a little bit more harsh. You also coached at the professional league level, not at the NHL. So given what's happened, 
in the last uh, few weeks. I'll turn it over to you, Butch. Your reaction, uh, you can either deal with it in a general sense or go talk about each individual one, Babcock, Crawford, Peters, and where are we going with this? Is these Are these appropriate discussions? How far back do we go? I just want your thoughts on it. Um, where do we go from here? Well, the people who own the league need to decide what they want to do. And I think, you know, the uh, definition of hockey culture has to be involved. All the people that are historically been involved, you know, as as a person about what my life has been, you know, I'm not for an abusive situation. Um, I I played in an abusive situation in Indiana with Bob Knight, not with me towards me, but I've seen players shoved. Uh, I've I've heard the N word directly at a player, which many was talking to all of us. Um, and you know, I grew up in Ohio with Woody Hayes. So, you know, Woody lost his job for gra- for grabbing a kid and against Clemson in a bowl game. So, um, and I grew up in a physically abusive home as far as my father to my mother. So I, I believe that, you know, where I sit now, that if hockey wants to clean itself up, it needs to. Uh, it's having a very open discussion uh, about what's going on. Um, I commend Mitch Marner for speaking up and telling people that if they have a story, um, then they should speak up about it. Um, I think what Babcock did as far as asking, you know, how do you rank your teammates and then exposing it it is, was a traitor. There was no need to do that. You know, he's the adult. He's got the guaranteed money. There's no need to put Mitch Marner in that position. And the other stuff is, um, Hockey culture, as it's been defined through the years, Lou would be a lot more qualified to talk about it. Me, as far as sports, anytime you give uh, someone too much power and no one's checking to see how that power is being used, in life, in business, everything, someone decides to be stupid and be abusive. Sports, you have these emotions that go from you know high to, to lows. And guys are committed to the sport, love the sport, and they do stupid stuff. Um, my issue for the guy who, what I call the coward, and, you know, which is in my life, that's how I've defined Bobby Knight, is that, okay, you do something stupid, but you're not man enough to apologize to the person. All right. And uh, clearly he is gotten away with that throughout his life until a video came out. He said he never choked Neil Reed and the video came out that he did. Um, so, you know, in my life I've, I've seen it and it's wrong. Um, you know, as far as my coaching style, I would never go anywhere near it. One, I grew up in a household where I saw it as a small child, uh, with my mom. And the other was that I played in Indiana. So I knew that my coaching career would be over if I went anywhere near it because of my association with, with Indiana. And that's, that's not who I was. So hockey's got to decide the bosses, the people who buy advertising have to decide, you know, what is acceptable and what isn't. And I think the guys will adjust throughout history in every sport. Um, you know, they've, they've adjusted. So if you change the rules, you know, 
it's there are rules on the ice on the basketball court. You change the rules off the, you know, it's in in basketball. I know right now my NBA assistant coaches program. If we get a potential candidate that's got anything to do with anything wrong with a woman, not paying child support, they got zero chance to get a job, zero. So, you know, that's part of our screening. And it's because you have some people that made mistakes, but in this day and age of social media, <laughs> all right, they, they'll take you out. They will take you out for the long run. Talk, talking about the issue of, of uh, no, let me ask you, Lou, you, you played uh, and you coached. Um, you're um, in, in the culture of hockey because, because Butch brings it up um, in the, in the 1980s in Washington, um, did you see any racial? Did you have any black teammates? Yes, I did. Who I had? Uh, well, I originally got drafted uh, in '78, but Mike Marson, Bill uh, Riley, Mike Marson, were were both. And we there. actually we actually talked to Mike Marson on this show a few years uh, back. Did we, we did yes, that? And, 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 and he doesn't have. Friends. You know what? In, and I remember the interview, and he's gone public. Um, uh, he doesn't feel like he was ever treated fairly in the NHL. Um, from your recollection of the days, and I don't, I don't necessarily have to make this personal to Mike Marson. Um, what challenges did black hockey players have in the NHL during your day? Well, I, I guess the challenge was is more or less we didn't know where they're coming from. Like we had, we we drafted a kid Savage uh, out of the Quebec League in the first round, I think, uh, in the mid '80s. Uh, and again, I, I didn't look into that because I had my own stuff to, to worry about. Mike and I, we were roommates, uh, in Hershey for one year. I think my rookie year, uh, when he got sent down to Hershey and I was on my way from Hershey to, to Port Huron. Uh, I knew Bill Riley very well because, because of that, uh, training camp uh, situation. Uh, back then we never really looked into stuff like that. They were my friends. Uh, they were my teammates. We, we hung out together. We, we battled together. Uh, it was nothing that actually came up. Uh, uh, you know, I know, I know with Brian there, and I know with uh, Max McNabb, and uh, I didn't know Tommy McVie that that well. But there was no racial slur there. I'm not sure what uh, what Mike was saying. He wasn't treated fairly because he came in really at the infancy of the organization. Uh, the first couple of years that they no, I don't think he was criticizing his teammates. He just there was a lot of there was a lot of fan. Um, there was a lot of fan discrimination uh, where he'd be called names from the stands. Uh, I remember he related one incident to us when he was walking to the dressing room and people, and there was that whole incident with uh, Wayne Simmons where, you know, I don't even want to repeat it on the air. Um, it, it, and we talk about the culture of hockey. Um, and, and that's a really interesting question, Butch. Uh, do you feel that the culture of hockey in this, in that sense, is different than than every other professional sport. And if it is, in what way? No, you always transition. So look at it this way. So, you know, the reason I got attracted to sports was I had an older cousin, and he was Big Butch and I was Little Butch. And I just remember the picture of him in high school. He was a wide receiver. And he's the picture of him in high school is he's holding that football. And that transcended to me wanting to play football in the street and at the community center and then when at the community center in the winter, we play basketball. And so, but the issue at the end of the day is that my older cousin didn't have a chance to go to college. They weren't recruiting black athletes. Uh, 
in twos and threes and fours and fives. You know, I watched Georgetown and SMU last night in a late game to watch Patrick Ewing coach. And, you know, that the game in which, you know, predominantly now the, the kids are African-American and the game that I I go to Indiana, you know, we always question that Indiana, you could redshirt a guy and give him an extra year, right? Bob Knight never redshirted a black player. His, the whole coaching career never did, right? So, but the issue at the end of the day was that when Bob Knight played at Ohio State, right, he played maybe, he played in 57, 58 with Jerry Lucas, but Jerry Lucas was never invited to an Indiana practice, right? Lucas is from my hometown, All-American, NBA champion with the Knicks, right? So the integration of, of athletes, minority athletes into sports, everyone's had its own pathway. I was fortunate at Indiana that one of the first African-Americans to play professional football, George Talaferro, was my mentor family that I hung out with, ate meals on Sunday with, and he, he, was, my, he was my father away from home. So, you know, I, I had, I was lucky enough to have good role models, um, but I understood uh, from the poetry that my mom taught me Langston Hughes, Farbus, the integration of the South. But for me, it was always about getting an education. And I kind of had blinders on that for me, I could educate my way out of what I saw, the oppression. And so um, hockey's path is going to be the same as basketball, football. If you live long enough, you're going to hear the older guys that said, hey, we didn't get treated fairly. And it is it is what it is, all right? I'm not saying it's right, but the only way to go forward is someone open their eyes and say, you know, we can change this, all right? You've seen that in American politics where white females voted for Barack Obama. If white females hadn't said, hey, no, this is wrong, this guy we can vote for, we trust him and his family, again, but he had a wife and he had two daughters, but... Uh, <coughs> Every 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 culture of sports goes through a period of things aren't fair, right? It's it's just the way it is. So you know the reality is that how do you get through the system? You know it's it's not fair. I I tell you all the time. You know there was a my high school team was so good that there were two guys on my team that were on the first or second team all state, and I was not one of them. And I'm player of the year as a senior. All right, that's how good we were. They never went to college. How far do we go back with this? All this. How far? the 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 first time I I actually saw it was I'm an All American basketball player, McDonald's All American, and Knight grabs a player during the game, Jim Wisman. This it's I've already committed to go to Indiana, but I haven't signed, and I'm getting all these cutouts of this grabbing sent to my mom from other colleges. All right, and. On my visit, Mr. Talaferro, because he had gone to Indiana in a segregated sports environment. He played football at Indiana University, but he had to live off campus, had to eat off campus. When they traveled, he couldn't stay with the team. All right. And his vision was that I was strong enough to overcome it. And him, um, he was in football there at Indiana and, uh, um, there's a gentleman from Indianapolis who was in basketball. And so the issue at the end of the day is that, you know, it is what it is, but somebody has to be strong enough 
to to get through the system and hopefully the system will change on on that note butch we're going to take it to break and uh, when we come back from break we'll pick up the discussion again we'll be right back it was a rainy day when pizzaville declared we'll never be the fastest we'll never be the cheapest we'll never be the snazziest dressed what yeah, my point is, we want to be the best. At Pizzaville, we want to make the best pizza. Stone-baked, the traditional Italian way. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Also joining us this morning, Leapin' Lou Franceschetti and Butch Carter. Guys, we're talking about coaching and what's going on in the NHL uh, in certain situations. I want to throw this out to, uh, to, to you guys. Um, a couple of the other issues that, that come up that for debate is how far back how far back do we deal with these incidents? Like, where, where, where do we draw the line? I mean, do we go back? I mean, Punch Imlac's not, not still alive, but, you know, the, you know, we all recall, you know, he had a situation with Frank Mahovlich where Frank Mahovlich was, um, this was in 1964. He actually um, went into the hospital because of he couldn't he couldn't uh, deal with the pressure that punch was putting on him or the fans or I mean it's a whole situation um, and Frank Frank Mahovlich one of the great great NHL players of all time uh, but he I guess he internalized a lot of the criticism or a lot of the way that he was dealt with by punch um, the Peters incident happened. 10, 11 years ago, Crawford incidents happened. We've got more stuff coming out. I'll throw it out to you, Lou. I'll throw it out to you, Butch. How far do we go back? Um, and how how much difference does it make if somebody did something 10, 15 years ago, but he's been an exemplary citizen for the last 10 years? Does that make any difference? I, I don't really don't think it makes any difference. It's just a different culture back then. It, it was... Uh, uh, ownership and, and coaches had all the power. The players had no power at all. Uh, and for us, we took it like a grain of salt. We just went out and kept on playing. Uh, we didn't know back then that they that they meant it internally to to you individually. They just did, did tro- you ever see a situation in all the years you played in the NHL where you thought? Uh, I mean, you're a pretty tough guy, Lou. Uh, you can handle yourself. Um, did you ever see a situation where any of your teammates were unfairly treated, that you thought were unfairly treated or were picked upon by their coach that, that went beyond the line? No, uh, I never. Again, I played for Brian for a number of years. I've known Brian since 81 through 89. Uh, he, he was a true gentleman. Uh, if he had to send the message across, he would very, very be subtle about it uh, because he had that kind of so-called... Uh, stigma or, or power it wouldn't be the sense like he wouldn't scream at you because the way he would talk wouldn't get through to you anyways he would just do certain things that that would more or less you're going to get the message uh i listened to kelly rudy one time 
And uh, Kelly was saying on, on the TV there that um, Al Arbor never yelled at anybody. The way he would get his message across if they had a bad game, he says, boys, we're coming to work tomorrow morning at 730. We're going to stay at the ring from 730 to 5 and see how it feels for you guys to, get, to work uh, a regular job. And he'd probably escape their butts off for, for two hours there. I've come back from games against Pittsburgh one morning. And Brian said, okay, guys, no pucks. So we skated an hour and a half, no pucks. Well, they used to call those bag bags. skates, the yeah. old bag skates. Yeah, uh, but he, he didn't have to say anything else other than that. He, uh, Butch, I'm sure you've, you know, we're talking about Bobby Knight. You've seen a lot in your day. Yeah. Um, somebody did something 10, 15, 20 years ago. How do we react to it today? It does the fact that the, uh, any particular gentleman who did something wrong 15 years ago, but if he's if he's his conduct has has been exemplary for the last 15 years, does that make a difference? And what's the appropriate punishment? I think I think as long as he doesn't lie about it, then I think he should be. There should be a process. How, for how important is an apology? Uh, does it make a difference? Well, first of all, I don't know why you have to do a public apology. If you say, hey, I want to meet with you and I apologize, I think, you know, that should be. But I don't I don't think you should destroy someone's life. Well, that for, that that seems to be. Um, and, and, you know, I know that there's a slippery slope to these issues because, you know, People who are involved in these situations that have these allegations made against them, there's really no due diligence. You know, they're, they're not entitled to due process, uh, but they can, uh, somebody's entire career can be destroyed. But that's an employer's prerogative. It's an employer's prerogative. An employer, um, an employer can choose who he wants. Uh, you know, employees are a reflection of the organization, and no employer wants – an employee that's associated with anything that's questionable. So I get the part about that that you have, and and this is where it gets really complicated. You have the whole concept of employment law and the values of the employer and what an employer wants to be associated with, what what an advertiser wants to be associated with, what a marketing department wants to be associated with. You have all these complicated issues come into it, and then you have a guy on another side who hasn't gotten due process. Uh, and, and essentially, when you bring an allegation against somebody that it, 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 we're not even talking about criminal code offenses here, they're moral offenses, there may be employment offenses, but we are destroying people's careers. Uh, where do we draw the line? Well, I mean, look, I wasn't expecting this question, but again, you know, I got falsely accused of something, never had a day. My day in court. You didn't get due process. Then, sorry. Nope. So I'm for if if a person does something around this racial stuff in hockey, if they admit it, all right. And you're willing to forgive. I'm I'm willing if to they're forgive, honest. If they're honest about it, all right. The issue, the issue at the end of the day is that if you want it to come out, then give them amnesty, all right. If you want to get it cleaned up. Hey, I screwed up. This is when I screwed up. Um, we don't know what happened in that incident when they first asked him. All right. We don't know if they'd already asked the 10 kids that were in the locker room that heard it first and said it happened. And he said, Oh, no, I don't, I don't remember. I, you know, I don't, right. I didn't like his apology, his public apology 
to me was on the softer side, all right? Um, but I believe, all right, that culturally, if you want to clean the problem up, all right, all you're going to do is send the rest of them underground, all right? And what you're going to do is something that happened, someone's money is being involved, and so they won't say anything now, they'll wait till later, all right? So uh, the reality is, you know, for me, uh, grown men who have families to feed are going to make mistakes in sports leadership. It happens. We're not all saints. Correct. I'm curious about the sport, baseball. You don't hear much racially tone. Well, you know, but, but think about it. There's there's more, uh, you know, uh, baseball scouts in South America than there are in, in than South U.S., right? Uh, in all your metropolitan cities, baseball diamonds have been destroyed, mm-hmm. right? So the issue at the end of the day is that there's so much money in baseball and those guys are integrated right from the core of minor league, you know, they're, they're playing. Um, but again, you know, I think hockey's culture issue starts with, you know, you've got old school Southeast conference guys who control all the assets for kids to play hockey down to minor. Right. And, I don't care how much a coach wants to win. You got a minor league coach and he's got to go. He's in that community and there are certain people that want their kids to play, but that's the way life has always been. The people who control the assets want favoritism. All right. <laughs> Lou, I want to turn it over to you. We had a, we had a little discussion uh, off air. Um, the issue arose, are, are the NHL teams doing enough? And just so uh, interesting. I just saw it announced. The, NA- the NHL Board of Governors, I think, is meeting in San, Fr- San Francisco Monday next week, and and they've asked all the all the representatives from all the teams to come to San Francisco uh, with with some. They want some positive contributions in terms of um, suggestions for changing uh, the hockey culture when it comes to uh, the things that seem to be in issue today. But Lou, going back. You know, <clears throat> leadership comes from the top, and obviously, I, I don't think it's it's I, the one thing I think we can agree upon. Uh, we'd like to see more minorities playing hockey uh, for a lot of different reasons, uh, because you know that's where the growth is going to come from. If we want hockey to prosper uh, as a sport in the future, we, we just have to take a look around. We walk around the cities and say, if we want hockey to prosper. And to grow and to become a worldwide sport the way, you know, the way the other sports like soccer and basketball who have more minorities in it, you know, somehow they have to get minorities more involved in the game and leadership's got to come from the top. The NHL teams have to have programs. And I know, Lou, that you, 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 you work with the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're involved with their alumni. You get asked to go do different functions and whatever. Um, and tell us what the Leafs are doing about it. Well, the Leafs are doing it. They, they've done a great job, especially down at Regent Park, where they've built a facility there for, it's called Launchpad, where it's taken literally probably thousands of kids off the street after school and putting them in this, it's almost like a gym. And they've had instructors there. They've had counselors in there. And it really, what it does is just, it it, it gives the kids a, a place to go after school instead of being out in the streets with, with other friends. And obviously, you're always going to get one or two guys that are going to astray uh, from from these uh, from these functions, 
But the Leafs, uh, I've been involved probably the last uh, almost 10 or 15 years now, and they've done a great job of, of building facilities, sending the alumni out there on neighborhood skates, uh, sending the, the their players out there like uh, Morgan Riley and uh, Austin Matthews and all those guys have all been out at all these functions. And they're out there, they're, they're playing basketball, they're playing volleyball, uh, they're doing all kinds of things with the kids and just making them feel comfortable. Um, it's it's just unbelievable what what they have done. I, I think that they probably dropped close to, I'd say, close to maybe ten to twenty million dollars into yeah. facilities. Uh, no question. If we want to see hockey succeed in the future, they need to double down on those efforts, if not more. Anyways, Naz and Fort guys, thanks so much. It's been a great discussion. Thanks for having me. Um, we appreciate you guys coming in and sharing your insights. Naz, Bills, Ravens today. Finish it off for Bills us. Bills win big. Okay, thanks. Seriously? Go, <laughs> <laughs> go Bills, go. Uh, it's been another great week on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Uh, we'll be back again next Sunday morning. Have a fantastic week. Thank you. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.